Well, what is up, everybody? Hopefully you're well and hanging in there. Hey, it is so great to be with you today and uh, really happy that you guys are part of our gathering today. Um, listen, we've been in a conversation and series over the last several weeks called Domestic Monastery and just really looking at uh, the practices and not just practicing them as a community, but uh, really intentionally looking at domestic life. And so it's been beautiful um, just taking time. We've looked at four key practices along the way. And we've also offered as part of this, uh, the intentional film series. It's a, a series on parenting. And I would say maybe a month ago, I reached out to Brooke here. This is Brooke Moser. I got that right? Moser. Oh, Yo, you, you got it, bro. You got the, it. Yep. Z, the, uh, so you say Z, we say Zen, I think, right? Yeah, you're probably, yeah, you guys are more accurate than we are for sure. Uh, but yes, it's it's the, the trashier way, which is Z, <laughs> it's here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, America's always better. It's a big. big <laughs> That's not uh, true. We both we both know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, where we could go, I guess, eh? With that, yes, um, yeah, yeah. Um, but I reached out to Brooke. I just feel like I was saying to Brooke just off camera, whatever, off air, whatever you say. Yeah, uh, just yeah. how our own story as a church community has very much been. I feel like there's really nothing to lose in reaching out to people that have a wealth of experience and now a technology. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, technology is not always great. There's obviously it rears its head in some ways, but um, this is a great opportunity for us to kind of connect with Brooke. So I reached out to Brooke about, I'd say a month ago, uh, and Brooke's going to tell us a little bit about himself, but uh, he's part of uh, in, the intentional parents kind of, would you call it a movement ministry? Yeah, 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 yeah. Intentional. It's it's all about uh, spiritual formation in the family. So yes, we do talk about parenting because parenting is a major part of the family, but we also talk a ton about marriage and individual spiritual formation because uh, it's really hard to give away what you don't possess. And so if we talk about being a good parent, it's hard to do that when you're not a good person <laughs> as yeah. one example. Right. So, uh, yeah, there's a handful of different things. Cool. And so we offered this during the series again, reached out just thinking, hey, would you have a conversation around um, just cultivating this in our homes. And I just really feel like that the film series is really beautiful, giving some amazing snapshots of how we can lead our kids in the way of Jesus. So all y'all, um, we've invited Brooke just to have a little conversation here that's going to help kind of lead our teaching for the day and uh, kind of glean some things from him as we kind of wind down the series. So really thankful you're here with us, man. Um, I know we got into it a little bit there, but yes. why don't we start here? You're in family ministry that, that, you know, the kind of that bent, tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about your family. Yeah. So, um, ironically, uh, my wife and I, Elizabeth, we've been married 16 years. We have four kids. Uh, we have our son, Duke, who is 13 and then Scarlett, who's 10, Bertie James, who's six, and then, uh, Sloan, who's four. So we have a boy and three girls. Uh, one of our little girls, a birdie, has special needs. So our home is both uh, full because of the reality of the quantity of children that we have. But it's also even more full because we just have unique needs that are represented. And so uh, life is really full uh, with the day-to-day -day in and out of uh of parenting and trying to be a decent human uh, and loving our loving my wife and family. Uh, we lead a ministry called Intentional with actually my mother and father-in-law, which is 
both beautiful and amazing to do work together. And as you can totally imagine, very challenging to work really closely in family ministry, specifically on the topic of the family, because it's really hard to uh, try to teach on this stuff, but not live it. And so we've been doing this with them for about four years now. Um, and they're wonderful. A lot of the film series that you saw is some of their great work that they've uh, done and put into the last 30, almost 40 years of parenting. And so that is a, a great gift. They're one of their major contributions is just in the arena of parenting. And that stuff has been so helpful. We, we promote it, but primarily because we use it. We are such proponents of being passionate Jesus followers ourselves and helping raise passionate Jesus followers. So I hope that's a, enough of a snapshot, but that's yeah. kind of the that's kind of the the ins and out. I've been a one, one more clarifier. I've been in pastoral ministry for the last seventeen years, and just this upcoming January, I'm going to be actually stepping out of uh, pastoral ministry and focusing fully on intentional in the nonprofit world. So I've been in your boat for a bit. When you texted me and we talked, uh, when you were sharing the bivocational and when you were sharing kind of how your world was split, I was both like intrigued and fascinated and felt like, Oh, I know this guy. Like we, we can talk. I, I know this guy for sure. So anyway, yeah. So I've kind of wore those wore both hats for a, a bit and kind of split my time between church and between nonprofit stuff. Cool. Yeah. It's great to uh, hear and see, and we'll give at the end a little bit of direction to where people can find some of the resources that you guys um, give out and uh, just provide. yeah. Yeah by the church with, which is beautiful. Um, no secret today is going to, a lot of our talk is going to be around obviously winding down the series, but also like really pushing into this idea of discipleship in the home. And that has mm -hmm. been the bent of our focus here is the practices in community are beautiful, but I think we kind of weighed out early on. Like, I think it, you kind of did the math, right? Like it's usually an hour. Our gatherings last an hour. Our, we always say our liturgy is an hour and then the gathering is as long as you want it. You can stick around, hang out. Um, but when you compare yeah. that to like home life and being at home yeah. and uh, just the spaces where we, you know, are with our families and with our households, uh, it's mm -hmm. a lot to a little, and that's not to say the church that gathering with the church is important, but we've really wanted to dial mm -hmm. on discipleship. So you want to take a minute mm -hmm. and just share a little bit about just discipleship in the home. Like, why is this important? And I know you're working a lot with churches and people like, what are you seeing? What are you, what are you noticing? Yeah. Uh, brilliant question. And a really foundational one. It's, it's a really important one. Uh, so we have a ton of ministries in our world today that exist to tackle this incredibly important topic of discipleship. I think a, a better word or maybe a more clear word if you grew up in the church culture would be apprentice to Jesus or spiritual formation. Uh, for me, the word discipleship gets lost just because I grew up with it. it. It kind of falls. But what we mean is a person essentially that mimics and follows the way of Jesus. And that is actually very different than most modern day Christians. There's a lot of people that are Christians, but don't necessarily follow the way of Jesus. And so our hope would be that we would help people see that this is actually in their own personal life, but also in the arena of the home. Uh, it's their responsibility. And if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter six, you have this wonderful passage. Of course, you're familiar with it. Or, and maybe for anybody that's listening, that's not. There's a Deuteronomy chapter six. There's this uh, wonderful thing called the great Shema, the saying. And it's talking about when you rise up, and when you lie down and when you walk along the road. Like it's it's your job, parents, to, to talk to your kids about the way of Jesus in the very domestic moments of life. 
that book, Domestic Monastery by Ronald Rollheiser, has revolutionized my life in so many ways. But the domestic things of life, the very mundane, the very boring, the very in and out, bedtime routines, uh, school days, all of that, like that is where we show uh, love for Jesus and where we're, you know, in many ways called to teach our kids the way of Jesus. So back to current time, we have all of these wonderful ministries that are tackling this topic of discipleship. But if you read the scriptures, uh, it's very clear that God's plan A for bringing people to Jesus wasn't actually through discipleship ministries that exist at Praxis or exist in any other nonprofit or around the world. Their plan A was that parents would follow the way of Jesus in such a deep way that they would teach their kids and then their kids would teach their kids and their kids would teach their kids. And generationally time goes on and on and on. And you are teaching your family the way of Jesus. And so it really comes down to, of course, church is not enough because church was actually never God's designed to tackle that very real problem. It's a part of the discipleship process. It's a part of spiritual formation. I would say if you're not plugged into a, a local church that loves Jesus and practices Eucharist and uh, worships and gives and has prayer moments of prayer and opportunity to, to give your talents and your gifts to Jesus. I would say you're missing out on a very important part of your discipleship to Jesus. And so uh, why is simply because that's God's plan. That's God's design. And when we live in God's ways, we know this and anybody that's followed Jesus for any amount of time, anytime you walk in God's ways and live in his beauty and live in the his instruction there's flourishing and i love that word i think flourishing is better than like having a blessed life or having good vibes or whatever you know uh choice word you want right now but i think it's a flourishing life it's fullness in your health and in your family and in peace of mind and in relationship and so uh i think why is because it's god's plan a and if we can catch that vision as a, as parents or as individuals as single people uh, we actually have an opportunity to change the world. And I know that sounds like uh, like I'm, I'm pitching something to you or selling something to you, but this was actually God's design written at the beginning of scripture. This is how he decided to, to change the world, to come down to partner with broken, sinful people like us and to help us along the road to help others to do the same. And so, yeah, that, that's some of the why. And I, I'm so passionate about it because I've seen the fruit of that uh, in such an important way in my own life and my own family. Yeah, so good. We actually opened up uh, the whole, like the introduction teaching to this with the Shema as kind of the thing that there you go that leads us. I don't think we have. I don't. I don't think we talked about that. But yeah, beautiful in this. That's picture. great. You know, when you walk the road, when you eat, when you yeah, later. Oh, the every the day to day when your kids wake you up in the middle of the night <laughs> is your response like what? Like often we have we have four kids. Like I said, right now our four year old is in the stage. She's so sweet and. For our sanity, we don't have our kids sleep in our bed because I like sleep is so important. So if they come in and they're scared, it's like, okay, you can stay with us for like four or five minutes, but you went back to bed because I can't sleep. Like it's completely selfish. And she comes in and she's like, but she doesn't just like wake us up. Like, like, hey, mom, dad, I'm scared. She like sneaks in. She's just so quiet. And then she gets close and then she like puts her hands like right above my chest and then hits me and says, dad. And I'm like, and every time, I mean, just scared out of sleep. So like, what's my response in that moment, right? Like the very daily stuff of life. Am I responding with anger? Or am I like, sweetheart, please don't, daddy could die if you do that. You know, <laughs> things like that. No doubt. Uh, that's awesome. Um, what are you noticing uh, amongst churches? Cause I know you travel a bit, 
um, mm-hmm. and you've alluded to this, like with, with the ministry, with intentional, uh, doing some great work, seminars, um, the film series, but rubbing shoulders with, you know, people in churches. Um, yeah. what do you notice like bent towards this? It seems like there's a, more of a hunger, I think for, um, households to engage this stuff. What are you seeing? Well, I would say, man, um, that's a great question. And it's a great question because you're hitting on something that's pretty uh, interesting, which is there's a lot of people who want to be good parents, but there's not, the pool gets a lot smaller when you talk about raising passionate Jesus followers or kids that really actually not, not just are like able to go to college and be a functioning human. That's really important for sure. We, we value that. We teach for that. But we also like, it's another layer when you talk about raising passion Jesus follower. And so I think what you see is the, the group that wants, the group that wants to parent well is pretty big. The group that wants to raise passion Jesus followers, as it goes on, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, and here's what's so interesting. I think the felt desire, especially in the early years, you don't feel it that much. I think you feel the chaos of like, wow, it's really hard. Like if you're sitting there and you have a newborn and you're standing in the back watching this video, what you're doing right now is surviving. Your job is to keep that baby alive yourself, keep your marriage intact, right? Like just get through these moments, enjoy them as much as you can, but you're surviving and you're keeping the very physical part of them alive. Uh, And at the very same time, you don't feel that right away that like, man, I know that I want to teach my kids the way of Jesus, but I don't see their sin yet. I don't see how they're going to fall away or how they're what their perpetual bent's going to be. And so I think that to answer your question, when you start moving into and your kids get older, I think you start to realize, whoa, I need to teach my kids in the way of Jesus. And what we end up seeing is two groups of people. One group that goes, I really don't know what I don't know. I really want to teach my kids the way of Jesus. And it's never too early to start. So I'm going to start right away. And then you have the second group of people who've probably gone into maybe like eight to 10 years into parenting. And they're like, oh, man, uh, we have to course correct really hard. And just normal parenting or behavioral therapies or whatever aren't aren't hitting the problem. It's, it's a heart issue. And so then you get the second group of people that come and be like, ah, oh, what do I do? Please help. You know? And so I just want to say something to those two groups that we see, and because I'm sure that even some sitting there might represent, there might be both even sitting there today. Uh, one, if you can start earlier, the earlier, the better. Uh, and meaning that the earlier, the easier it will be to teach these things, the easier it will be to continue to push them through your home and help your kids see the way of Jesus. But secondly, if you're in that group where you're like, oh my goodness, I need to start this. It's never too late. It is never too late to start saying, hey, as, as for us, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to do this. And it might be a little awkward. I think some of that awkward tension of like, well, we never used to pray at dinner and we used to never do family devotions and we used to never like give to the poor or even give to the church. But like, uh, but we're going to start doing it. We're going to start actually being those types of people that become more like Jesus. And so um, I think that we're seeing that those two groups, and I think that wherever you're at in your journey, um, there is grace, you know, just a heart of, for somebody that says, Hey, I want my kids to follow the way of Jesus. That's beautiful. God blesses that. He blesses the parents that want to do that. And, uh, and honestly, if you're a parent and you're sitting there, you know that you need the grace of God to raise your kids at all. You need the grace of God to get through today and get through tomorrow. And this next week, it's a, it's a full on 
partnering with Jesus to see his fruit through your children come to fruition. Yeah, I love it. I, I do uh, appreciate the um, distinction from the parenting movement, because I think you're right. There's a lot of people that want to parent well, but obviously what the church has to offer you know, distinguishing that is, I think, important, right? In, in, in your mm-hmm. work, yeah, in discipleship, which is great. Um, yeah. So we've looked at four particular practices. There's tons, right? Like that we could take to- So our, many. Um, we drilled in on four. Um, so we started with scripture, just the narrative of scripture, the story of scripture being saturated in our homes, um, focused on reading it, but as well telling the story as a big part of- Yes. The hopeful rhythm in our homes. We pointed back a little to that, like uh, just around uh, Israel's story, the early church's story, they were story formed, they were oral formed people. And so they Mm -hmm. need this and pass it on. And that's, I think, a big part of the Shema as well. Um, We focused on prayer, obviously looking at fixed things we can do in our homes for prayer. Um, the third practice was generosity. So we eat together. We have to eat meals. Let's make it worth it kind of deal. And then one that's a little unique is we focused on um, words of blessing, like uh, words oh. blessing each other in our home. Yes. Words of life. Yes. Um, I, I notice a lot of the spiritual practice teachers haven't focused in on that as much, but uh, something we just kind of felt like would yes. be maybe a little unique. With that said, there's tons. You guys have, I've listened into the podcast. I'm sure others have as well. Um, your podcast at Intentional, and you did a podcast on rituals or rhythms that I found really helpful. <laughs> uh, I know you talk in there yeah. sometimes it can be hard because we don't like that word in evangelicalism, like rituals. I know it can kind of like grate yeah. us, but with all that yeah. said, do you, what are some practices? What are some things that you think are essential? I know I just said four like ones that are pretty common. But what do you think as yes. far as practices, rhythms, what are you seeing like that's working for people? Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, first of all, I think those four are brilliant and foundational. So uh, just to affirm your leadership and your team there, that's exactly where you should be focusing. Like those are, you can do lots of other things, but those are like crucial. If you don't understand the scriptures, if you don't have a prayer life, if you don't understand these foundational things, it's very hard to move into the others. And so uh, just hats off to you guys on that. Um, it's so funny because we did this episode and I didn't tell. So we do this episode. It's usually uh, Elizabeth, my wife and myself, and then my mother and father-in-law, Phil and Diane. And they grew up during a time, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, primarily, you know, some of their big ministry times, 90s. And they're like ritual was a bad word. They were trying to get away from the rituals because there was such a hard swing towards rituals and in the Catholic church and other things that so many now are going like, you know, in our culture and time, I know your, your uh, specific generation, my generation, we're going, guys, we need some rituals. Things are getting a little bit crazy here. So rituals <laughs> would be really good for us. And you can call them practices, you call them whatever you want, but uh, you know, rituals sustain us. So the thing that I see that's really important is when I make a choice as an example, to kiss my wife every night before I go to bed. There's nights when I totally feel like kissing her goodnight. And there's probably nights when she does too, probably less, less more often than I probably feel it more often. But then there's nights when I just, I'm like so tired. I'm like in bed already. I'm like, I don't want to roll over to give you a kiss. Like, I mean, I, you know, I love you. You don't need that. At the very same time, there is a sustaining power in our ritual and our ritual to just simply give a kiss goodnight. 
it reminds her that no matter how good things are or bad things are, that I love her, that I'm with her, that I'm uh, caring for her, that there's consistency. Um, and I know that's a silly, simple example, but I think it really holds true to the point that you end up doing things in a ritualistic way, not because you always feel like doing them, but because they sustain you for the long haul. They sustain you in your relationship with Jesus. They sustain you in your parenting. They sustain you. So I just love that you you brought that up. And my uh, even on that particular episode, if you go back and listen, it was so funny because it was so hard to get even into my in-laws' mind. Like, it's okay to use the word rituals. Rituals are good. Like, we got to talk about them. And we ended up just deciding to agree to disagree that we can use a different word. But um, whatever word you want, practice, uh, discipleship to Jesus, ritual, I think that you need to have them. One that I see that has been very impactful. And I, I can't speak for what I'm seeing everywhere because I think everyone's home is different. And everyone's needs are different and everyone's ecosystem in their home is different. But I'll say a couple of universal ones. The first one uh, is to just jump off of what you already said, blessing other people. There's a book by John Trent called The Blessing. Have you heard of this book? I have not. If not, it, okay, so you, you need to get it. If you're hearing this and you're curious and you're like, how do I bless wealth? Get this book. It was written maybe in the 90s and they did a revamp recently. It talks about how to properly bless your kids, uh, bless your children, bless your friends, uh, bless your marriage. And it basically highlights the problem that we are a, a culture that has not been properly blessed. That so many men go into the world not properly blessed. So many daughters and sisters and beautiful, wonderful women have never been blessed and affirmed in a way that brings life to them. And then so many marriages don't have that or, you know, parenting and all the, all the like. And so I just want to affirm that there's a phrase that we say around here all the time that your, your children will become who you tell them you see them becoming. And that is absolutely true. When I tell my little one, you're being so frustrating and annoying and irritating, which to be fair, like if you're a parent, you have those moments, they're real, that's honest. But I find when we say that, they become almost more of that. But the opposite is true, that when I say, man, I see you struggling today, but I also see that you are kind and you are gentle and you you didn't hit your sister that time. Good job, right? Like I, I bless who they, they are and they start to, and this is biblical, this is foundational stuff, but um, they start to become who you tell them you see them becoming. And that's a really huge gift that I think parents underutilize instead of getting angry at their kids and saying, how could you, what are you thinking? Which obviously in our generation is less acceptable than it was before, but I think there's still subtle forms of that all over the place. Um, shame is a big one. So blessing is so important. And if you want to know more specifically, we, and we also did a whole episode, we did two episodes on this, uh, in our podcast, you can see uh, we go into a ton of detail. And if you want even more detail, get this guy's book. It's great. Um, but the, the other one that has been massive for our family is uh, being people that say I'm sorry very often. Um, that ritual is a really important one. And and the reason why, and you know this, um, you, are, you, are, you sit with people all the time, I know, with the arena of therapy, psychotherapy, all that stuff. Um, we wound people all the time. We hurt people constantly. A lot of the times uh, we're conscious of it. And then there's that unconscious stuff where we don't even recognize sometimes when we're wounding people. Um, and that especially happens. And we all know it's mostly those that are closest to us. And so I think that building the ritual into um, forgiveness culture, <laughs> if you want to call it that, or 
or uh, apologizing or really going after uh, reconciliation within your relationships, which, which is what it is, um, is a really important ritual to have. Uh, in your marriage, it's important to keep short accounts. It's important to, if you misspoke and you're rude and you're irritable, it's important to say, hey, I'm sorry for being rude. Will you please forgive me uh, for not honoring you and being disrespectful, right? That's, I have to say this all the time. And I grew up in a home where we didn't have this. And so I, for the longest time, had this really unhealthy understanding of what it meant when I wronged somebody and had the hardest time recognizing that, whoa, I can be, I can ask for forgiveness and receive forgiveness and I'm not bad. Like the shame narrative, right? Like uh, shame often is, um, you know, you are bad. No, I made a bad choice, but at the core of who I am is not bad. I just made a bad choice. And so I need to own that bad choice. And so we take that and we apply that to our, our family, Elizabeth and I, we apply that to our kids. And why I'm telling you that is because that ritual has seemed to save our life. Because there's moments when I am short and I am irritable and I do, uh, I'm not this, like we're in parenting ministry, which is comical to me, family ministry, because I feel the least qualified to do this stuff. Um, I just feel like I'm probably a good, I probably am just crazy enough to think like, well, I guess I need, I need a lot of help, Jesus. So please, please help us. And so uh, for us specifically, forgiveness is huge. And I think that just, it heals so many wounds, but it also is like oil in an engine, right? It just helps your home flow more smoothly. doesn't mean that you didn't have that car accident. It doesn't mean that these things didn't happen, but it, it creates these roads of healing that otherwise are not able to help to happen. And, um, one thing I know we say with our kids all the time when they make a poor choice, like we say, Hey, listen, are you bad? And they're often like, they know the, they know the rote thing now. Like, no, I'm not bad. Like, right. You're not bad. You're a wonderful, beautiful, amazing human, but you made a really poor choice and you have to own that choice. And that's what this means. It means you apologize. And sometimes there's restitution, sometimes whatever it is, but we, we try to build that in. And that ritual has been incredibly life-changing for us. So good. Yeah. A culture of forgiveness. Yeah. Yes. One to, I think for us to think about in just adding to the arsenal, which is yeah. good. So good. Um, man, that's awesome. Um, you know, we could talk about this all day, uh, but maybe just bring us something that you are you know, seeing or some things that you're seeing that you could encourage parents to think about as they raise their kids in the way of Jesus. So like maybe, and I know we're trying, and even in this series, try to keep it pretty broad. When we use the term household, we're thinking about people that are married, married with kids. Um, we have college students, a part of our church, you know, and roommates, but there is something about, you know, having kids in your home. Um, anything, yeah, I, I know it's like, how do we do this in just a couple minutes, but anything you could share no, that yeah. you feel would encourage parents a bit in this? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot. The first ones that, the first ones that uh, come to mind and I'll, I'll go with those because I'll trust that those are the spirits uh, direction. The first one is, um, at the end of the day, you are their parent. And what I mean by that is God, I think, I don't think I know, gives us an intuition into our kids that no one else has. He gives us a responsibility that no one else has to protect, to watch over, to care for, to love, to train, to discipline. He has put that responsibility on you, whether that responsibility came because you were family planning 
or it was like a, well, now we're having a baby moment. You are now in this world where you are their parent. And I cannot tell you how many times looking back on raising our kids, how I've been so thankful and grateful that I had others remind me it's my job to protect my kids. That means exposure to things, what I let them watch, what I let them interact with, the people that I let them interact with, uh, who watches them, right? Like uh, for a long time, my, my uh, family of origin, there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of um, hurt. There's a lot of stuff that I've just gone through to guys like you for a long time, Drew, lots of therapy to get through and understand. Um, but but there was a long time when I couldn't understand, but we had this like deep sense that we were not supposed to let our kid be with my family and, and have my family watch them on day trips or overnights and all this stuff. And lo and behold, years later, stuff comes out that was just horrific. And so all to say, you're their parent and let the spirit lead you. If you have a check in your spirit, obviously like don't put your head in the sand and like pretend that the world isn't going on about you. It is, but like, especially in the culture and the time that we live in what your kids, uh, what you let in your home, whether that's technology conversations, we're in a time when we need to educate our kids about what God says about them, who their identity, what, what their identity really is, what God's plan is for their life. So um, it has been so important. We've seen so much life come from uh, teaching our kids instead of just trying to overly protect our kids. And so in the arena of technology, that's one of them. I know I mentioned it, but um, technology has been huge is that it's your job to encourage and, and help them understand what they're engaging with and that you have a responsibility to watch over them and care for them and keep them. So you're their parent. That's the first thing. Second thing, the second thing, your attention, um, giving your kids your attention. I cannot tell you how marvelous that tool has been. Um, and I know it sounds simple. Like I give my kids my attention. I'm talking about like active listening. I'm talking about like when your kid's talking to you and you're not actually, maybe you don't have a phone present. Like obviously if you do, that's like easy one, put that away. But like, even as they're communicating with you and talking with you, sharing back, like even reflecting back active listening, like, Oh, cool. So I hear you saying this. And then even, um, you know, asking more follow-up questions to what they might be talking about. I see that changing kids in the most deep way especially in attention culture that is so hard to grab i mean our kids are around kids all day long that don't give them their full attention and so when their family can give them something that the world can't even come close to giving them there's trust built there's beauty give them your attention that's great um maybe just to wind as kind of kind of as we wind down there's a therapist saying right there as we wind down. Yeah. <laughs> um, that means we have 10 minutes max. So share yeah. your thoughts quickly. We gotta Before we on. kick you out, um, which we don't want to yeah. do. Um, what are you noticing? Uh, and I know you've hit this a little bit with like the church's piece, but what do you see working for churches as they look to cultivate kind of family ministry um, and, and, and intentional ministry or intentional work at home? Do, do you notice anything? Maybe I'm putting you on the spot here. No, no, no. So it, let me, let me just ask. Really clear. Well. Yeah. Sorry. Got it. Like, like churches doing family ministry as well. Yeah. Like, what am I seeing with that? And how it translates well, to the home. Hmm, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's this wonderful problem uh, that is, is kind of in great, like that is present in the question you're asking, um, which is our generation understanding the importance of church again. Hmm. Uh what I see, so before I can answer that question, what 
has been both alarming and hopefully I think an opportunity for a catalytic moment for families in general is families asking like, Hey, I don't want to be like told what to do anymore. I want to like know why I'm supposed to do all this stuff. Now that's been, that's been happening since the beginning of time. That said though, I see our culture and our generation asking like, why do we go to church? Why my kids are freaking out. They, they don't even enjoy it because they're crying half the time. So then I'm not even being able to listen. And then I'm leaving and it's just, I'm, I'm a stress nightmare, right? Like, why can't I just sit at home and watch this? Um, and there's a whole lot of content I could give you on that. But, but the, the real quick one is God's church exists for you to serve the body of Christ. It actually doesn't exist to just serve you in the sense of like you come and receive it's a place for you to come and give give of your talents of your time of your energy and so to answer that question about what am i seeing effective it's when churches understand and can continue to teach why why church why fellowship why koinonia the greek word why that's important it's because it's a part of a healthy functioning thriving culture and society and, and and even within your family and I think it's so interesting. COVID gave us a great snapshot of what happens when we isolate and just have everything that we want all the time in the sense of uh, isolation. It, it's just not, it's not healthy for us. And so churches that I see doing it well and things I see them doing is involving families within not only what they're doing, but uh, really in the day-to-day, like even volunteer culture, like their parents are involved with what's happening. Um, they're also usually churches that are taking time to really, be clear about what they believe and what they teach and teaching kids that Jesus is like fun. Jesus is like not meant to be this burden that expects you uh, to always be perfect. And he's a judge and he just can't wait for you to mess up. But they teach accurately who Jesus was and who he is. And they make it fun for kids, not in the sense of like blindly entertaining them. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying people interacting with them in a deep way. And I think that leads back to what we see flourishing in our time. Like I think churches that are doing that understand why this is important and that families that have like a regular rhythm, it's beautiful. I I really feel like this has been helpful in kind of, not that we're landing the plane on this forever, but as we've been intentionally talking about this over the last several weeks, um, just keeping before us, what type of practices can we be cultivating? What are, what are we seeing? And, and this kind of the last question we've been talking about here, just, you know, wanting to be a community that equips people in their homes to see mm. people, the kingdom of God come and, um, resourcing parents and homes and households, uh, as a way to see, yeah. people. I love how you use the word flourish to, to see homes. Flourish. Yeah. Um, so good, man. Hey, as we wind down, uh, you're in Bend, Bend, Oregon. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we are. We are. Yeah, cool. Um, give people a little snapshot. I know like we've obviously had people engage in the film series, but um, yeah. first of all, maybe maybe yourself, like uh, in some resources from you and then as well from Intentional. It's Moser with an S, by the way. I know I said Z mm-hmm. earlier. You say it with mm-hmm. Z though, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but maybe give us some resources we can direct people to as far as Intentional. In your own sure. Work. Sure. And as you're, you know, on that last question of how we, how to equip the church, I think it starts by equipping individuals to take that responsibility on and not to, to think that your half hour engagement or hour engagement from somebody else on a Sunday is going to be all that your kids need for spiritual transformation. They need to see it from you. Um, 
And so to help you on your journey, um, I would say the couple things, yeah, the film series is one that's a really um, practical, very interactive, meaning uh, it's, a, it's also a lot of content. You can just watch that right in your home, but um, that's the film series, Raising Passion and Jesus Followers. It's nine films. Uh, it's about six hours of content from birth to launch of what it looks like to incorporate spiritual formation into your home and then also to what it looks like to become a passion jesus follower and to raise your kids um we have the intentional parents podcast that we um that we do it's it's usually about every week we've taken the last couple weeks off but i'll have some new stuff coming to you soon and that's just a really great easy resource so many people you know as they're going to work or to the grocery store about their day it's just a way to encourage and remind people from the text from real life stories from individuals from experts that are not us uh how to do this well and then um and then yeah go to you can go to our website that's another one uh, but we have different conferences that we do all over the place and then we have a bunch of new actually this next year i'm so excited we have so many fun things we have a fatherhood podcast coming out specifically for fathers in this generation and time because that's a unique need uh, we're going to be starting mother retreat motherhood retreats where we're basically uh, elizabeth my wife and diane are going to be doing these uh retreats in different parts of the states maybe even canada you know who knows um to basically pour into moms and give them a break and then like just to completely pour into them and then we have a whole uh, another arena that we're going to be developing this year as well so check it out is uh, all about intentional emotional health and so uh basically being those people bringing people like yourself through and others to the table who are like experienced in this uh, arena and field and speaking to some of the real day-to-day -day lives around problems around emotional health and uh, how we can be full humans and individuals in Jesus's ways. So that's some of the stuff and uh, check it out. Yeah, intentionalparents.org. Uh, you can check us out on all social media platforms. We're there too. Always trying to just send out things there. Cool. That's great. Yeah, and just really encourage people to, uh, to dive into that. Um, thanks, man, for taking time. Absolutely, wow. yes, absolutely. I know I said it earlier, like I do feel like now post COVID with technology and just uh, what's availed to us, uh, there isn't, I really feel like this is a huge blessing to a community like ours and this kind of feeling that we got nothing to lose as we kind of build um, partners and connections with people who are doing really great work. So yeah, uh, grace on you guys as you kind of do this work. And I think we've talked like, and this isn't a slate on stuff, but like um, really good quality family ministry stuff is so important. And just want to just bless, bless you guys that you do a really good job. It's not just engaging as far as the content. Mm -hmm well um just the the vibe and, and what you're doing so uh i hope oh, thank you can pass that on to you and just say well done keep going and uh we, we're gonna keep dialing in as well so thanks for your time wow absolutely honored to sit with you all and god bless you all <laughs>